January. Man, first month of the year is gone. Only 11 more to go. Yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier in this month, um, I wanted to focus on um, the fact that uh, it's good to get back to basics as we start a new year. And so we talked about uh, the importance of, of Bible study and prayer, and we talked about the importance of being totally committed to Christ and His church, and uh, what that means for us. Of course, last week we had the great privilege of celebrating our, our first celebration, I guess I would say, for the year, for our uh, 100th anniversary, and uh, we continue to celebrate that throughout the year, and we'll be making focus on that at different times. But today, as we wrap up this month, I, I want to talk about living our life, not only in 2023, every day, but particularly as we are still entering this new year, to investigate, to consider, to really evaluate, you know, are we investing our lives in what really matters? Are, we, are our priorities really in order? I don't know about you, but when I start a new year, I, I tend to think that way about different things. One might be my budget, right? I want to make sure that, that I've taken another look at our budget, and, and, and it's, is it in line with what is important, and, and are we making sure that we have more money coming in than we're putting out, and, and, and things are in line? Uh, it, it might be some goals that you have been working on, and, and you want to review those and make sure that you're on the right path to accomplish what you want to do this year, you know, whether it's uh, in an education format um, or whether it's in your job, you know, or whatever situation it is, you know, are things lined up, <laughs> you know, are, are you going to, you know, because if you just kind of happenstance enter life, you know what happens, whatever happens is what happens, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, and we have to deal with that. I get that. But if we don't start in some places of making sure that we line things up and, and uh, make intentional decisions and, and, and guide ourselves, really, in proper ways, we're just kind of going to go whichever way things go. So, and that's really true in our Christian faith. Um, and that's what we've talked about before, you know, we're talking about staying in the Word of God and praying and, and, and uh, being a part of God's uh, body of believers and the importance of that is in keeping us on track. But I want to focus today in, uh, in two passages of Scripture. They're very familiar. Matter of fact, I remember when I was uh, first a Christian, uh, these are a couple of verses I was encouraged to memorize. And, um, you know, uh, it's good to review uh, if you haven't memorized these verses, I'd encourage you to put that on your list for this year. That, that would be a good start when it talks about the whole idea of making sure that our priorities are in order and that we have the right focus, because these are verses that keep us there, okay, if we really think about them and allow God to work in that way. But the first one is Matthew 6.33, and we're going to start there today, but I'd like to read the whole context of this verse, and so I want to start with verse 25 in Matthew chapter 6, and read through verse 34. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in whatever translation you might have there. These are the words of Jesus. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Wow, those are some important words to us. <laughs> uh, I think that we all wrestle with the anxieties of life. You know, what's it really going to be like? What's going to happen next? Am I really going to be prepared? I mean, what do I do if this happens? Uh, and maybe we don't even think that way, and it does happen, and then we're really worried. But worry is a part of us. And so Jesus speaks very, very clearly to us as his followers about this clear topic. And this verse, Matthew 6.33, that I'm focusing on this morning, is what we could call a positive alternative to worry. Okay? What do we do about worry? Here's what Jesus says. Here's the positive alternative to worrying. Rather, our focus is to be not on worry, not on the things that we worry about, but it is to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously. And there's a promise here. And the promise is that God will give us everything we need. We sometimes get want mixed up in some of that. <laughs> but God will give us everything we need. He's a good, good father. We, we sang that this morning. <laughs> yeah, he will take care of us. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you really trust God to take care of you? Or are you worrying? Are you, are you thinking that by being stirred up in yourself, that's going to get you where you need to go? You know, worrying is so detrimental, isn't it? I don't know if we have any physicians in the audience today, but you know, the medical world says that the majority of health problems that we have probably come from emotional anxiety, our stress that we place upon ourselves. And uh, it certainly is a factor that we all wrestle with. But instead of feeling uh, like, oh my goodness, I do that, and I'm never going to get out of it, and it's just got me, and I'm underneath this big rock, Jesus doesn't want us to stay there. He speaks so much about this in this passage. I mean, just keep going on and on about don't do it, don't, don't worry, don't worry. You know, don't, don't think this way, don't think this way. Here's the key. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. You know, as I read that, as I've 
quoted it in my mind throughout the years. As I think about it here on uh, January the 29th of 2023, I have to ask myself this question. Is that true for me? Do I live this way? Do I really believe this? Well, yeah, Pastor, you believe it. You're up here talking about it. Do I really believe it? Is this what guides the way I think? Is this what guides the way I live? Is this what guides my decisions? Is this what guides what is really important to me? And what does it mean? Does it mean that oh, I'm not going to worry, I'm just going to be happy, and I'm not going to work, I'm not going to take responsibility because God's good and he's just going to take care of me and it's okay. And you say, good luck, pastor. No, there's a tension here, isn't there? I mean, certainly, the Bible not only talks about the importance of trusting God and everything to provide, but it also talks about stewardship and appropriateness in managing what he gives. Yeah, I've seen people who say, well, I'm just trusting God, and they're not trying to find a job. I think that's not what this talks about. <laughs> I think that's uh, really a warped situation. I, I, I remember a guy back when I was in my 20s who, he did that. He, he worked, had a great job for um, the city government. And so he said, well, I, I don't think this is what God wants me to do anymore, and I'm just going to trust God, and, and I'm going to quit this job and just wait and see what he does. Well, a few months later, our friend was asking us for some money. I'm glad the rest of us didn't trust God quite like that, so that we might be able to help him a little bit. You know, that stuff is dangerous. So, hey, that's not where I'm going, friends, okay? You get it? All right? We're not going there. All right. But taking responsibility should not interfere with our faith and our trust in God. Even though it's a tension, that's okay, right? Matter many tensions in the scriptures. Matter of fact, tension is what keeps things in balance. If you're walking on the tightrope across Niagara Falls, you better have some tension. Or you're going to go, woo! <laughs> yeah. If there wasn't tension in the universe, the stars and the sun and everything wouldn't be in the place that they are. God brings tension to keep things in balance. We need to let him do that, even as we think about how we apply these things. Now, in light of all that, I, I want to start here today in this passage by answering the, the questions that Jesus asked. You, you notice in the passage when we read it, Jesus asked a lot of questions. Now, they're rhetorical. You know what a rhetorical question is. It's kind of like one you already know the answer to, right? Okay, but it's asked in a question format to say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, uh-huh, yeah. All right, so let, let's look at the questions he, he, he asked. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? I mean, do we need food? Yeah, you're not going to live very long if you don't eat. 
All right, well, it's important. Uh, do you need clothing? Well, I definitely do. If I was up here without any clothes, oh, man, that's scary. I know I'm supposed to look at you like you're all naked out there, but that's really scary. I'm not going to do that. All right, yeah. No, we need clothes. Okay, now, in the garden, I guess they didn't have clothes, right? That, that, that was when things were perfect. But we're not there, so don't try to live like you're in the garden. No, we don't want to see that. Okay. Yeah, you need clothes. Are you far more valuable to God than birds? Yeah. Now, if you think you're not, then you have a wrong view of yourself. And I, do, I have met people and probably be, even been tempted to be in that spot myself at times where you just feel like a worm, and you just feel like you're not worth anything, and everybody would be better off without you. And that's where people get to sometimes when they get to the end of themselves, and even some take their lives. It's just an awful thing. That's not where God wants us to be at all. You are worth much more than birds to God. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and so God takes care of the birds. So if, you know, it's logic, right? So if God takes care of the birds and you're more, much more than the birds, guess what? He'll take care of you. That's what he's pointing at. Can, your, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Anybody live longer by worrying? <laughs> Matter of fact, it kind of goes the other way. We talked about that medically, right? Yeah, it takes away from you. All right, Jesus, we're, we're getting there with you. Why worry about your clothing? Well, we don't want to be naked. And we don't want to be looked down upon by others. Is clothing important, teenagers? When you go to school, does anybody pay any attention to what you wear? Even though you all wear the same thing? And if you don't wear the same thing, then they really take notice of what you don't, what you wear. Hey, if I go into the bank, which I don't go into it much anymore, everything's online, but if I go into the bank and I have a suit and tie on, which is so rare much anymore anyway, I can tell you that I get a lot further with something I want to accomplish than if I go in with torn shorts and a t-shirt that looks like it just came out of the drawer. Yeah, it's just, I mean, clothes do make a difference. Yeah, and you say, well, Pastor, why don't you dress a little better? Well, you know, okay, we'll work on it. We'll work on it, all right. All right. Yeah, so it does matter, but to worry about them doesn't make the difference. Certainly you can make good decisions about them. And then this one big question. <laughs> wow, this is the one that he asks. Why do you have so little faith? Ouch. Ouch. Got us. What's the answer to that? Well, it seems to be what he's talking about. Because <laughs> we get caught up in our worries. We get caught up in our focus on what we see as important. We get, get caught up in life. We get caught up in things that just grab us and take us away from thinking the right way. It really is here. I mean, this has to affect this, of course. But it really is what goes on up here. We have little faith because we're afraid. 
we have little faith because we're not certain, really, that God will take care of us. Because, really, we feel more secure trusting ourselves than Him. I believe that the Lord brings us to places in our life <laughs> to challenge whether we really have faith in Him. I don't like those places when I'm in them. I like them when I look back and see what He did. 21 years ago, God called us to leave a church pastorate where things were going very well to go to work with the mission organization where I had to raise my support. Anybody here know about that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought we had a couple here that might testify. And some others I know too. <laughs> I knew that the Lord wanted us to do it. I believed, I preached, I talked about that you can trust God. I prayed with missionaries. And I said, you know, the Lord's faithful. You go ahead and step out if he's really calling you. And, and guess what? He will supply. And I believed that, I thought. But when it was our turn, that was really a lot harder than I was saying to everybody else. Didn't like it. Wrestled with it. I remember friends saying to me, hey, do you have peace about this decision? I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> this isn't about my peace. This is about me wrestling with the fact that God was telling me, I really believe. Now, you say, how did God tell you? Well, it was just... It's a whole year's worth of stuff, okay? It wasn't like I had this voice from God. But we knew, okay? We knew. But I had a daughter that was just starting Cedarville University. I had another one that was in Christian school, and we wanted to keep her there. How in the world can I raise that much money? <laughs> About 20 years later, well, a little less than that, when I left the mission... I took a day and I went into our records and I added up all of the money that came into our account from the day we stepped into that role. It was a phenomenal amount of money. And I thought to myself, if you had told me 20 years ago that I'd have to raise that much money, I would have died. But God did it. And he does it for all of us. It's not just me. It's not just that situation. But that was mine. You got yours. Why do you have such little faith? Because I don't really fully see God as he is. I don't fully, fully understand that I can trust him to that level. And so when he brings those pressure points to you to believe. Do it. Seek his kingdom above everything else. And live righteously. Now, it's not just saying, well, I want to do what God <laughs> tells me to do, but I'm really not going to live like he wants me to live. Well, that's not going to bring his blessing. Obedience is the way to really know God's blessing. It's really true. I mean, we see it throughout Scripture. Obedience is not the way 
for us to be saved because Jesus was a totally obedient one. We have to trust in Jesus. Our faith needs to be in him and what he did. And we're going to have communion a little bit later, which we remind ourselves that our trust is fully in him for what he did. But obedience is truly the sign of a believer who is trusting God and faithfully working in the ways that he calls them to. And so the promise is, if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and you live righteously in obedience, he will give you everything you need. Any testimonies here today, you don't have to stand up and give one, but any testimonies by your hand that you have seen God take care of you. Wow, look at that. You think we might be able to trust him? But isn't it crazy that when we get to this verse again and we talk about it, we realize that we're just as timid and anxious many times as we were back then? Now, hopefully we get a little bit better, but I do have to remind myself of what God has done to go on sometimes with what's happening now. Don't forget. Keep reminding yourself with this truth. Jesus says that God cares for you. He will take care of you. And isn't it great that he says he already knows all you need? It's not even determined by your ability to explain to God what you need. You know, it's not like God saying, well, once you figure it all out and you tell me, then I'll give it to you. No, it's not about us understanding. It's not about us having it all figured out. It never will be that way because we can. It's about us having faith. It's about us trusting a God that is faithful and trusting a God that loves us and knows our need and promises to meet it. <laughs> Oh, that we might trust him more. Oh, that we might trust him more. Key here is that above all else, that we seek the kingdom of God. That's first. When you make decisions, is that what's first in your mind? That's what he's talking about, right? When you decide for you and your family what's important, is God first? Is his kingdom first? Or is it, well, this is kind of what we do in our family, and we like it this way, and we're always going to follow that? Or is it really, Lord, change us. Show us your way. We, we want to go your way. That's what this, the redeeming factor of Christ in our lives is to bring, that we're not just like any other American family, that we really are people of the kingdom of God not of the kingdom of this world, whether it's Hungary or whether it's America, right? We're kingdom of this world, or kingdom of God people. Our identity is in Christ, and our purpose is to be found in seeking the kingdom of God. God's way first, so we make the choice. We make the choice, I'm not going to worry, I'm going to seek his kingdom above all else, and I'm trusting him to take care of me. Now, some of you are going to get a little laugh out of this, because I'm going to talk about Brock Purdy, who is the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, who are playing my Eagles today. Yeah, I've already been told by some of you that my team's going to lose today. 
And I said to one of you, you know that those who claim to be prophets and are wrong will be stoned. (laughs) Whoa, pastor. I actually told a guy that yesterday at the airport. (laughs) Guy didn't know. He did laugh. (laughs) Didn't shoot me. That would have been bad. (laughs) Rock Purdy's the current quarterback for San Francisco 49ers. He, He was the final pick in the NFL Draft. What do they call him, Mr. Irrelevant? What a name for a guy. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the first string quarterback was injured. The, the second string was injured. Now he's playing. And um, he's done amazingly well. He's performing. I mean, they're in the game today that could lead them to the Super Bowl if they beat the Eagles. Oh, dear, don't even say that. In Sports Spectrum Magazine's interview, Brock Purdy said this, Every time I play, no matter what happens, I want others to see God through my actions. Every time I step on the field, I want to bring Him glory. Even when we lose, I point to God and thank Him for the opportunity. Everything happens for a reason. It's all a lesson from the Lord. It's a game. It's not my life. Well, I was so refreshed to read that, even from Brock Purdy of the 49ers. Because what are we about? We're not about a team. We're about the kingdom of God. Brock was a quarterback at Iowa State before coming to the NFL, and in an interview, uh, He talked about an important moment in his walk with Christ that happened soon after he got to Iowa State. At the end of a difficult first week of fall camp, Purdy got on his knees and asked God to forgive him for putting football ahead of his relationship with Christ. He says this, It was just a great reminder of where my identity is, where it lies, and it's in Jesus. And I continued to lean on him. The next day, I didn't go out and throw for 500 yards and was some awesome quarterback. But I was at peace, knowing that, hey, no matter what I'm going to face moving forward during college football, God and Jesus are going to be my identity. And Whatever I face, I won't be shaken from it. I've got a great foundation in him. Praise God. Praise God for a young man who knows his identity, who is seeking first, above all else, the kingdom of God. Will he mess up at times? You bet, like all of us. But guess what? That's the foundation. (laughs) That's where we will see that God will meet all of our needs. All right, now I'm going to try to be quick with the second verse today. (laughs) Good luck, Pastor. But I want to take us briefly to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is another great one to memorize, and it really deals with the whole issue of identity, of investing our lives where they matter, and particularly making sure our priorities are in the right place. Paul writes, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the 
kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and purpose. Perfect reading. Letting God transform us is the way to know His way. Refusing to follow the world around us is the way to know God's will. And to know God's will is to know God and to know a life that is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what we all yearn for. We might not put it in God language sometimes, but we all yearn for a life that is good, pleasing, certainly to ourselves, and perfect. I see people pursuing perfection all the time, not finding it, of course, in our world. But this is the key. This verse points to that. And it fits with what Jesus said that we just looked at in Matthew 6.33. My mother is uh, 91 years old. She keeps telling me she's 90. I keep reminding her that she's 91. (laughs) Mother and son relationship, you know. My mother and father... um, They went through a lot of rocky times, but there was a moment in my dad's life when when he finally got things submitted to Christ, and and the Lord changed him, and uh, he began to write poetry. My mother has always been a fantastic musician, and when she was in her teens, she went to a Bible camp up in the Poconos and gave her life her life, not just accepting Jesus. <laughs> she gave her life to Jesus. And I have been blessed to have a godly mother. Her mind's not too good anymore, but she's still the sweet gal that raised me, and she's my greatest fan. If any of you ever say anything negative, I'm telling my mom, because <laughs> she'll get you. I was telling her about this uh, passage that I'm speaking on today here in Romans. And to know God's will is pleasing and perfect and good. And the way we get there is by following Him and submitting ourselves to Him. That's what this passage says. You know, we're to be living sacrifices. (laughs) You know what a sacrifice is? It's the taking of something. (laughs) It's giving away. It's, It's giving yourselves as a living sacrifice. And it was interesting to see her because uh, she and my father got together after he started writing verse and wrote thousands of songs. They recorded nine albums. They got a group together, traveled every weekend, still worked their regular jobs all week, but knew this is what God called them to do. And she smiled and she said, you know, I remember many weekends when we get home at 3 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning and then get up and go to work the rest of the week. And when she said it, she gleamed. Because she said, we knew this is what God wanted us to do. And there was so much blessing, (laughs) even in the difficulty of schedule. At 91, with a failing mind, I saw the glory of God. In someone who said, yes, Lord, I'm going your way. 
Your kingdom is first. Your kingdom is most important. And I thought, Lord, let that be me too. I'm going to end there today. Because I think that's really where we need to be. Lord, here I am. A living sacrifice. You already paid the price. We're not looking for sacrifices to pay for sin. That's not what this is about. But this is sacrificing myself, my desires, my goals, so that they fit in with you. So that you will use me as you please for your glory. And the blessing that I receive from that is that I will know that your will and that your way in my life is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh, don't we want to end our lives in a way that we know our lives have been invested in something that is good and pleasing to God, but also pleasing to us as we do so, and perfect. You know, you can work in the position that you are serving in, in your job or in school or wherever you are. You don't have to go to the mission field, although God calls some, and maybe he's calling you. And if he does, you better go, (laughs) because then you'll know that his use of you is good and pleasing and perfect. It's going to be tough, you bet. But guess what? If he's leading, follow. Don't go your own way, because you will find disappointment and disaster. Now, he'll still be there to love you if you'll come back, but you've missed a lot of stuff (laughs) that he had had in mind for you. I believe he can replace it. I've seen it happen. Don't worry. If you've been out there somewhere, come on back. (laughs) Don't, Don't stay out there. It's not a good place to be. But there needs to come a point in all of our lives where we really follow what Paul says here. And I believe it's an ongoing thing as well. Somebody said the problem with living sacrifices is they keep getting up off the altar and run away. (laughs) So we need to keep coming back, don't we? Yeah, we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these reminders today of what really is important. What are the proper priorities in life? We don't fully understand always all the implications of that, but we know that you will meet us if we will ask you to, because this is your desire. This is what you've said in your word. This is what you want to do. And we know that the trouble is not what you've said. The trouble is not that we don't understand. Often the trouble is that we just refuse, that we want it. Our way. We, we want to walk, kind of walk this funny path that says, oh, Lord, yeah, I, I want to honor you. I, I want to please you. I want to know your will, but yet I still want to kind of do it my way. Hmm. That just doesn't make sense, does it? Father, help us. You know how weak we are. You know how we do worry. You know, and thank you that you speak to us as a good father. And you say, come, come to me. Come on. You're trying all this stuff that's just messing up. 
Come on. Come on. Seek my kingdom above everything else. Live righteously. And I will take care of all of your needs. You said that. You, you said to, to give our lives as a living sacrifice. And that you will change our minds. So that we'll think right like you do. And, and that you'll get us on the right path so that our lives will make a difference for your kingdom. Oh, Lord, may that be our desire. But even if it isn't, may we say, Lord, help us. Help it be our desire. Change us. Change our thinking. I give you praise, Lord, for what you're doing right now in this place so that when we leave this place, your will will be accomplished through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. Almighty, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay in my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God. <laughs> There's nothing that can show us more of the goodness of God than remembering what He's done for us on the cross. Paul wrote that in that passage we just looked at. He said that it's the right thing for us to do to present our bodies because of all that God has done for us. He was talking about Jesus and his death for us. How could love be shown any greater than that? So as we take communion, it's to remember, isn't it? It's to remember what he's done. It's to remember that it's complete. And it's to remember that our lives depend on him not on what we think or what we might want to do. Paul wrote this in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done.
I pray that you would bless this bread and bless this cup, that we might live because you live, because you died for us, that we might live in the reality of forgiven sin, and that we celebrate and give you all the praise and glory as Lord of all. In your name I pray, amen. Take the bread, Jesus said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat and be thankful. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you and for all. Wow. For all. All who will believe. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that it's for you? Aren't you glad that you have believed? Aren't you glad that your sins are forgiven? Aren't you glad that his blood washes away all of your sin? You saw that white snow this week. Whiter than snow. Praise God. Take and drink and be thankful. Jesus, again, we thank you. How can we say more? <laughs> but it seems so inadequate. So, Lord, we give you ourselves. Thank you for giving yourself for us. In your precious name, amen. Stand with me, won't you? Let's sing this song to finish out the service. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Lift it up this morning. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Darkest night. You are close like a goodness. 
Let's do it. <laughs> Let's keep it going, right? He is so good. We are so needy, but that doesn't change him. He keeps telling us, trust me. Have faith. Don't worry. Trust me. And I'll give you everything that you need. Wow. Hallelujah. Have a great week. But before you go, if you weren't here last week and didn't get one of these, <laughs> we still have some. But even better than that, we still have some Hershey bars. So you can check at the office. God bless you.